0: Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. This morning as we return to the book of Exodus, we're going to look at chapter number 16 and we're going to rejoin the people of Israel as they travel on um, toward... Sinai which is where you probably know where they will eventually receive the 10 commandments and um, I'm excited about that that's that's actually something the 10 commandments are something we're going to be talking about early next year as when we when we get there because after next week what we're going to do is we're going to pause this series during the holidays and so we'll return to the book of Exodus at the first of the year, okay? So today and to an extent next week, we're gonna look at what can become a serious problem for God's people and, and that is murmuring and uh, grumbling, okay? So let's look at Exodus chapter 16, verses one through eight. You pray for me as I preach about murmuring and grumbling this morning, Amen. Verse number 1, Exodus 16, so they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died By the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. And so Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because He has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling That you grumble against him what are we your grumbling is not against us but against the Lord's let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for this your words we receive it God this morning as divinely inspired it's infallible it's profitable to us for uh, for correction for instruction So, God, I pray that you would anoint me this morning, anoint me with authority, anoint me with compassion. God, help me to say only what you want to be said, and God, give us ears to hear what you are saying, and the hearts, God, to receive it. It's our nature, God, sometimes to criticize and to complain. We pray, God, that you would forgive us for this failure of faith. And that, God, you would show us how it hinders the freedom and the peace that you provide to us through Jesus Christ. Teach us, God, to trust you. And teach us, Lord, to be grateful for everything that you provide for us. We ask it in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen and amen. Now, there was actually one point from a message um, last week, that I didn't get to, and I actually need to go back to that point from last week and make that point this morning. So, after, um, after the people complained at Mara, you remember if you were here last week, you remember what happened at Mara. The, the, the well there, the, the spring there was diseased, it was poisonous, and so the people complained at Mara, and their complaint was this what, what are we going to drink? There's nothing for us to drink. So after they complained at Marah and God healed the bitter waters, you remember how he healed the bitter waters? He showed Moses a log, a tree, or a tree trunk. And he said, take that tree and throw it into the, into the water. And when he did that, the waters were, were healed. And so after um, the people complained, after God healed the bitter waters, they came, the Bible says, to a place named Elam or Elim. Elim. Um, a place where the Bible says, this is how the Bible describes Elam, a place where there were 12 springs of water and there were 70 palm trees. And the Bible says that they camped there in the Elam after. So Elam is between Mara, the experience they had in Mara, and, and this experience they're having as they're on their way to uh, the Sinai. And Elam was, we would recognize it, we would call Elam an oasis. Elam was an oasis. It was a a place in the wilderness. It was a place, and remember I said the, the wilderness there was a desert place. So it was a place of provision, and it was a place of rest in the middle of this wilderness, this desert place that the children of Israel find themselves in. So Elam is an oasis. It's a place of refreshment. It's a place of rest. It's a place where God provides for for their needs. Elam is also an illustration to the nation of Israel. It's a reminder for the people of Israel. It's a reminder that God will never forsake his people. Amen? God will never forsake his people. God will always, somebody say always, God will always meet our needs. God will always meet our needs. God had, remember, remember, God had brought Israel out of Egypt. He had uh, taken them across the Red Sea on dry ground, all miraculously. He had delivered them from Pharaoh's army. He had healed the waters of Marah. And how many knows now he is demonstrating that he could make springs in the desert, if necessary, to provide for his, his people. God will always provide for him. At Elam, God is emphasizing the point that he's making to his people. And here, here's the point. You are my treasured possession and I will take care of you. I will meet your needs. The 12 springs that are there, the 70 trees that are in Elam, they illustrate both the sufficiency of God's provision and the abundance of God's provision. God is able to take care of his people. Do you believe that this morning? God is able to take care of his people. So in, in chapter 16 now, they leave Elam and they continue their journey and they come to the wilderness of sin. Now uh, that word, sin, is not the actual Hebrew word for Sin and so it's not talking about necessarily about transgression or the wilderness of iniquity. Uh, so that's not the actual Hebrew, it's just a it's like a place name, a proper name uh, that had named this particular location in the wilderness. However, as it turns out, it is it does turn out to be kind of an ironic name for this wilderness place because the people begin in. The wilderness of sin to grumble once again uh, about what they perceive to be God's lack of provision for them, and this time their grumbling becomes more is more serious It's is more of a problem. In fact, I want you to notice two things about their grumbling before we move on. Number one, I want you to notice who it was that they grumbled against. Verse number two says that they grumbled against who? Moses and Aaron. So they grumbled against Moses. That means they grumbled to Moses and Aaron. They, they probably grumbled about uh, Moses uh, and Aaron as well. So they in their minds, they're grumbling against Moses and Aaron. And then I want you all to notice, secondly, I want you to notice what they said. What they said was, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to repeat this first line. What they said was, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Would that we had died in the land, by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Now, as I mentioned last week, uh, murmuring... Complaining, grumbling would become a persistent problem among the people of Israel. And how many knows that it, it can become a problem in our life yeah. as well? Murmuring, grumbling, um, complaining. And God may have overlooked their um, complaint at Marah, but now their grumbling draws a rebuke from the Lord because... Their grumbling, their murmuring has become more serious. Did you notice that at Mara? Um, they, they, they ask what could have been, I made the point last week, they ask what could have been a sincere question at, at Mara. Uh, the, the water is poisoned, the water is diseased. What are we going to drink? Here, we're here without water. What are we going to drink? Now, however, uh, on their way to Sinai, they are complaining. About their conditions. And this, remember, after God had showed them that he, that he could meet their needs, that he would provide for them. So now they are actively complaining about their conditions and they're making accusations, accusations against Moses and accusations against Aaron. However, as Moses explains and Uh, This is important this morning. As Moses explains, they're not actually accusing Moses and Aaron. Who are they accusing? They're accusing the Lord. Moses explains that they're actually accusing God. Moses makes the point by saying, who who are we? I mean, we're just just servants of the Lord. We're, We're just doing what God has told us to do. We're just commissioned by God to lead you. So Moses says, who are we? We're just just God's servants. You're not grumbling against us, but you're grumbling against the Lord. You're murmuring against him. In In fact, that's the danger of all grumbling. That's the danger of all murmuring, and that is that it may quickly it can sometimes quickly cross the line between asking God a sincere question. God, why this? I don't understand um, how are you going to meet my need. Why am I here? What are you doing? Grumbling can quickly cross the line between asking God a sincere question to accusing God of unjust treatment. And the thing is, we may not always be aware of where that line is drawn. Do you see that? Israel thinks they're complaining against who? Moses and, and Aaron. So we may not always be aware of where that line is drawn, which is, which is why we must be careful about our attitudes and why we must be careful about the things that we think or the things that we say. Amen, Pastor Tim. That's good preaching. <laughs> it's all right. I didn't come this morning expecting a whole lot of amens this morning. <laughs> no, we, we don't always know where the line is. But grumbling, all grumbling, all grumbling can cross a line if it's not checked, if it's not stopped, if, it's, if we don't remind ourselves. And we're going to talk about some of those things Remind ourselves of some important things. All grumbling can become murmuring against God when we cross that when we cross that line. The people, of, the people of Israel may have thought that they were complaining to Moses and Aaron. They may have thought that they were complaining about Moses and Aaron, but they were actually complaining about God. They're actually murmuring about God. Moses, and here's what Moses recognizes this right off. Moses says, what are we? Hey, you're not complaining about me. <laughs> you're, you're murmuring against God. Moses recognizes this right off, and he warns them about it. And, and when we read this passage, we can recognize it too, can't we? They're complaining against God. I mean, look again at what they say. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. And just, I mean, for a moment, just think about what they're saying. For just a moment, they're saying, we wish God had killed us while we were still slaves in Egypt rather than delivering us from bondage and bringing us here. <laughs> I mean, we recognize that's what? It's, can I say this word this morning? It's stupid, right? I mean, we recognize that it's completely irrational for them to say that, isn't it? It's completely irrational. We see that. Moses saw it too. But the thing is, the people could not see it for themselves because they didn't recognize that their complaining had crossed a line because they didn't understand that they were putting their wants above God's will. They were putting what they wanted, what they wanted was more important than what God had done and what God was doing. They were putting their wants over God's will. And essentially, essentially, that's what all complaining is about. And that is that if something or if someone doesn't meet our expectations, then what happens? We're disappointed because it doesn't turn out the way that we think it should turn out. That person doesn't do what we think they should do. They aren't the person we think they ought to be. Um, We're expecting this. It goes this way. And so when something or someone doesn't meet our expectations, we're naturally, we're disappointed, and sometimes we complain about it. Sometimes we complain about it. And as I've said, sometimes, and and maybe even most of the time, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure that's true, but maybe even most of the time, that's, that's innocent enough. Because I mean, knows we complain about many things that don't conform to our uh, wants, our desires, our preferences, our pleasures. I mean, we complain about the weather. It's too hot. It's too cold, right? <laughs> we complain about somebody's music is too loud or it's not the kind of music I like. It's not what I prefer. Uh, so we we complain about a lot of things that don't conform to our our wants, our preferences, uh, our desires. And, and sometimes, most of the times, maybe, most of the times, it, it doesn't have any spiritual implications. It's just, we're just complaining because something doesn't measure up to what we want or what we expect. Occasionally, we may even question God about certain things that happen. God, I don't understand. Why did that happen the way it happened? And how many knows those are sincere questions, God? I don't, I don't understand. Can you help me to understand why this went the way that it went? Because it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. It didn't happen the way I thought uh, that it would do. Um, and, and fortunately in those times, how many knows God is patient with us? Because he wants us to understand He wants us to learn uh, to trust him. He wants to teach us to trust in him. And that's what God was doing at Mara. He was teaching. That's why he overlooked their complaining, because he was doing what? He was saying, hey, I want to teach you. You can trust in me. I'll provide for you. I'm going to give you water. I'm going to heal your diseases. I'll meet your needs. And so God allows us to ask sincere questions uh, very often because he's patient with us. He wants to teach us to trust in him, but there are occasions when our complaining crosses over that line and our asking becomes accusation. God, I want it this way and you did it that way. God, Um, We accuse God when we can't accept God's will and we insist on our own way. And that's when when grumbling becomes an issue, just as it did for Israel here in the wilderness of sin. It's when our asking crosses over and it becomes an accusation against God. We're unwilling or unable to accept God's will and we insist on own our own way and it becomes an issue in our relationship with God it becomes an issue in our journey with God well what kind of issue does it become it actually it becomes an issue of obedience in in our life grumbling is a problem because it can negatively affect our willingness or our ability to obey God's God can I tell you something this morning? God doesn't care about your grumbling because it hurts his feelings. God, I mean, it was, God's bigger than that, right? God doesn't care about your grumbling because it insults his character or because he's worried that it might make him look bad or because he gets angry um, about it. God cares about our grumbling because it can affect our obedience to him. Why, why does God care about our obedience to him? He cares about our obedience because your lack of obedience may affect your ability to obtain the promise that he has for you. If you're not willing to obey him, then how I many knows you'll never make it to the promised land? <laughs> if you can't follow instructions, if you can't accept his will then you'll never be able to inherit the promise that he has for you. So grumbling becomes a problem because it can negatively affect your willingness to obey, and disobedience disrupts God's good will for your life. God has a good plan for your life. God is leading you in a good direction. Amen? God's will for your life is better than what you want for your life. How many believe that? God's will for you is better than what you even want for yourself. But if you become disappointed and you begin to grumble and complain about God's will, and what he's doing in your life, then it can negatively affect your obedience and will cause you no longer to trust God. And if you, if you disobey God, then your disobedience can disrupt God's good will for your life. And that's, that's why grumbling and murmuring is... Such a huge issue in the believer's life. When Israel murmured in the wilderness of sin, God said to Moses, okay, here's what I'm going to do. This grumbling has become a problem. Because if they grumble, um, they may be less likely to obey my voice because um, they want their will and not my will And so when Israel murmured in the wilderness of sin, God said to Moses, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people will go out and they'll gather a day's portion every day that I may do what? Did you notice it? That that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Now here, what God's talking about is manna. How many remember manna? We're going to talk more about manna next week. Obviously, manna is the bread that God rained down from heaven for Israel. And God is about to produce manna for the very first time for the nation of, of Israel. Isn't God good? He's merciful and kind. Even when they're grumbling and murmuring, he's saying what? I'm going to meet their needs. I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to give them bread. I'm going to take good care of them. God doesn't cut them off and say, that's it. I'm through with them. He said, no, I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to meet their needs. And so God is about to produce for uh, the people of Israel manna. But, there was, but he puts certain requirements about gathering manna on the nation of Israel. And we're going to talk more about those requirements next week. We're going to talk more about manna next week. But here's the takeaway for this morning. Manna was God's provision for Israel's need. But it came with a strict set of instructions which were intended to do what? to test Israel's obedience to him. Why did God need to test their obedience? But well, because they were grumbling against him. They wanted their way and not God's way. God needed to test their obedience because he had to teach them to trust in him. To teach them to trust. I've said this before. Let me repeat it again this morning. i said it. In times past, before God tests us, not in order to cause us to fail, but God always tests us to teach us and to train us for success. I mean, that's not always the case with tests in school. Am I right? Tests in school, sometimes you fail those tests, you fail a great. God's tests are never intended to, to make you fail, God always tests you in order to help you to succeed and to grow and to teach you more. So God tests their obedience because without obedience, they wouldn't obtain the blessing. They would never get to the promised land if they didn't learn to obey God. So God tests them with manna In order to teach them to trust him. And their obedience requires them to be willing to trust that God is going to meet their needs each day and every day. Let me say it this way. When we we trust God like we should, we will obey God as we ought. Did you see that? Let me repeat it because I didn't, again, get many amens when we trust God like we should, then we will obey God as we ought to obey God. Because we know that God is a good God and that whatever he's doing, whether, whether it lines up with what we expect, with what we want, what we think, whatever God does, it is good for us. He has a good purpose in it for us. There is a good reason that God does it, amen? And so when we trust God in that way, that whatever he's doing is good for us, when we trust him, then we will obey him as we ought. So that whatever he says, we're gonna, do, we're gonna say what? God, I trust you, and so I'm gonna obey you. We're not gonna say, well, that's not what I wanna do. I'd, I'd rather do it this way. I I don't want it to turn out like that, and so I'm going to do this. So when when we trust God like we should, we will obey God as we ought to. And here's the second part of that. When we obey God as we ought to, then God will bless us like he wants to. Do you see how important obedience is? So God cares about our grumbling. And here's the thing, grumbling... When we grumble about what God's doing in our life, when we grumble about what's happening in our lives, grumbling short circuits the whole thing because it puts what we want above what God wants. It puts what we desire over what God desires for us. God wants to do good to you. Amen? Look at your neighbor and tell him, God wants to bless you. God wants to do good to you. Amen? And so you must be willing to trust him. Whatever he's doing, God has good purpose in it. And when we understand that, that God is a, a good God, then we learn to trust him and we obey him but grumbling short circuits the whole thing because it puts our wants it puts our desires above what God's will is and sometimes it keeps us from obeying God which keeps us from receiving the good things that God wants to do in our life now listen we don't always understand the things that God does in our life we don't we don't always understand things that happen to us God God knows that. And as I said, God's God's willing to receive, entertain our sincere questions for him. God, I don't understand why. What am I supposed to do? Why did this happen uh, this way? So God knows that. God entertains our questions. But we must be willing to trust in him. We must be willing to trust in him no matter what. And grumbling is a failure to trust in God. Do you see that? Grumbling is a failure to trust that God knows what is best. God is going to do what is best. And so grumbling short circuits God's blessing in our life. That's why God cares about our grumbling it's because it short-circuits the blessing that God has for us. So if we know that, then we should be careful about grumbling. Amen? How do we know when our grumbling is crossing the line? Because like I said, it's not always apparent to us. Sometimes we think we're just grumbling, just complaining. But sometimes it crosses the line from asking to accusations against God. So we need to know when our grumbling is crossing the line. Let me give you three thoughts real quick about how to recognize when your grumbling is crossing the line, all right, and may short circuit God's blessing in your life if you're not careful. In fact, Israel gives us these clues in their complaint against God. Um, number one, we can, sometimes, we can sometimes recognize that our grumbling is crossing the line when uh, you begin to idealize the past conditions of your former Life. Should you see how Israel did that in their complaint? Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we did what? When we sat by the meat pots and we ate bread to the full. What were they doing? They were idealizing their past in the land of Egypt. They so say, we used to sit by meat pots. We used to have plenty of meat. We used to have plenty of bread. And weren't those, can you imagine Weren't those the good old days they were saying. (laughs) Where where was the person that said, you know, oh yeah, didn't you didn't we love making those bricks all day long? Wasn't, wasn't that the good old days, man? How about, hey, do you remember that time that Pharaoh said, okay, forget it, we're no longer gathering the straw for you. You go gather your own straw and you make the same. Man, wasn't that great to Pharaoh to do that? Wasn't that, hey, do you remember how they used to beat us when we didn't make our quota and they would whip us? I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? But what were they doing? And they're complaining against God. They were idealizing their they're past. And sometimes the devil will cause us to do that as well, won't he? God does something. Something happens in our life that disappoints us and discourages us. And what do we do? We go back and say, well, boy, I remember the good old days. I wish I could just go back to the good old days. In, in, that's happening in our nation now, right? We've never had it better off than we have it t- today. But we do what? We always idealize something in the past. And devil's a trick of the devil to get us to complain about what God is doing, the direction God's taking us in our own lives. I'm not saying in a nation, but in our lives, the devil will cause us to question and to complain against God by causing us to idealize the past. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, there's nothing I want to go back to in my former life. Amen. There's nothing back there. I've I want to move forward with Jesus Christ. There is more in front of me than there is behind me. Amen. God has a better future for me than I ever had in my past. I want the good that God has in front of me, not the past that's behind me. Amen. So one way that we recognize when our grumbling is crossing the line is when we're spending too much time in the past, idealizing the past, living in the past, the way things should I mean, the way things used to be, the good old days in our life. So we have to be careful not to spend too much time idealizing the past. Number two, we can recognize that our grumbling is crossing the line if we begin to blame others for our current situation where we're at right now. Judas, Israel did that as well. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness. What were they doing? They were accusing Moses and Aaron. You're, you're responsible. You're the one that brought us out here. Our grumbling, we have to be careful that our grumbling doesn't cross the line when we begin to accuse Others and blame others for our current situation. You blame the preacher, you blame your husband, you blame your wife, you start blaming your parents, you blame your boss, and you're blaming others. It's a warning sign that your complaining is crossing some line, and if we're not careful, it can short circuit the blessing that God has. For you in the future, and number three, third way you can recognize when your grumbling begins to cross the line is when you begin to imagine the worst, the worst about your future. Israel said, "I wish that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and the bread, ate bread to the full." For you brought us out into this wilderness to do what? To kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> I mean, again, just. Irrational, isn't it? They imagined the worst about their about their future. So their their grumbling was essentially a lack of trust in in God, and it was that lack of trust that could have short circuited their obedience to God. And their if they disobeyed God, then it would dis uh, disrupt God's blessing. In their life. So we must be careful not to allow grumbling and complaining to get in the way of the future that God has for us. We must be willing to trust God no matter what, trust and believe that He can meet our needs, He's going to provide for us. In fact, um, there's something interesting about the word uh, grumbling here in the book of Exodus. The word for grumble is um, actually the root of the word grumble is a word that means to stop or to stay, to remain, to, to, be, um, to be obstinate, to remain in, in one place. And, and here's the thing. Israel had come out of Egypt, but how many knows their mind stayed in Egypt? It remained in Egypt. And at different points along the way, they show resistance to what God wants to do in their life. They grumble and they complain about it. It's because their minds still where? In Egypt. That They don't see the future that is in front of them. They're not looking forward to the promised land that God is taking them to. They're not focused on the promise that God has for them. They're focused on the what? On the past that is behind them. And so they remain obstinate, and they grumble, and, and they complain because they had come out of Egypt, but their mind stayed there, remained there. Now, here's, here's what I want you to see this morning before I close. Of all of the places where Israel could have allowed their mind to remain. Heaven knows it should have been at Elam, where God met their needs, where God provided for them, where there were springs of water, and where there where there were trees in abundance. Elam was the place where their mind should have remained because it was a picture of the fact that God will always provide for and meet the needs of his people. God will always provide for his people. Rather than remembering the meat pots and the bread of Egypt, they should have remembered, hey, God <laughs> God is able, even if it's necessary, to raise up a spring in the middle of the desert to provide for the needs of his people. Of all of the places where their minds should have remained, it should have rested In Elam, should have remained in that place of rest where they experienced God's provision and they saw God's abundant, um, uh, the abundant measure of God's goodness in their life. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 gives us this uh, good advice. It says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts. In you. <laughs> That's where our mind needs to remain, is in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who said to us, Come to me, those who are heavy laden, who are weary, and I will give you rest. Aren't you glad that no matter what we face in this world, what we go through in our life, that Jesus Christ has promised to give us rest? We can experience the peace and the presence of Jesus Christ in our life no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, no matter what the circumstances of our life are at any moment. We can keep our mind in Jesus Christ, keep our focus on him, and remember that God will make a way that he'll provide for us. He'll meet our need. Keep your mind in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's what enabled the Apostle Paul to say, you know this passage in Philippians, where Paul says, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in every every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need because I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. (laughs) Keep your mind in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.